Monday, March 9th, 2020, Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a good week outside of podcast land. I did my taxes over the weekend, started them anyways. I don't know many more unpleasurable things than doing your taxes. I also had to reorder my DD-214. Seems as though I didn't have the right copy for something that I had to do at work. I, I thought they all looked the same. Anyways, I've moved, what, five times in the past five years that I've been out? And I only had one copy. So I found a couple of different ways to reorder uh, the DD-214, and I want to share it with you. The first is my preferred method. It's va.gov forward slash records forward slash get hyphen military hyphen service hyphen records. It breaks down how to use DOD's MilConnect website, and it's pretty straightforward. Once you figure that out, there are no more portals. VA.gov site is a a guide to get you through the rest of the Mill Connect, and it was pretty easy. Or you can go Route 2. You can go to archives.gov forward slash veterans forward slash military hyphen service hyphen records. I didn't go through the whole process because I use Mill Connect, but if you want it mailed to you, or if you're a spouse or a caregiver, it seemed like the way to go. Some things you got to fill out, but it's pretty self-explanatory. A lot of good feedback on episode 184's Major General Jackson's blog on blogs.va.gov. A lot of Vietnam veterans letting us know when they served and units that they were with. I love seeing the positivity of that era's service because I know it wasn't always that way. Uh, there was one that stuck out to me, though. This comes from Frank L. McKenzie. Again, this was on the blog. I served in Vietnam 1966, 67, 69, 70, 71. I was wounded in action April 19th, 1969. I understand the reason behind honoring the Vietnam veterans, but for me, it is too little too late. I hope it helps as many as possible. I'm 100% permanent and I'm assuming disabled and unemployable. I try to deal with what they call PTSD every day. For more than 50 years, I've tried hard to deal with the betrayal by the people in the country I served. Nothing can erase or make up for that. Like I said, I hope this helps as many as possible, but as for me, I have no forgiveness for anyone. Floyd, I'm, I'm really sorry you feel that way. Um, I, I hope you don't feel that way from, to me uh, as, as I was not even born uh, during Vietnam. But I can tell you this, uh, Mr. McKenzie, is that, um, and I've said it many times on the show, it was an unfortunate cross that you guys had to bear And if you could take any solace, any solace at all, the cross that you Vietnam veterans bore are the reason that we as veterans are treated so well today. And they're, and I don't know how you can ever repay something like that. I don't know how you can ever repay a generation for, for that. If you're a Vietnam veteran, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And I hope you take pride in the service that you did serve because you 100% deserve it. 
One review from iTunes this week. This one comes from Lydia USMC. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast. It keeps me up to date with the VA. Former Marine turned middle school teacher. Keep doing the great work. Makes me miss being in the Marine Corps. Summer Fidelis. Lydia, thank you for listening. I'm glad our weekly get-together offers you a bit of camaraderie that many of us miss. Also, thank you for what you do. I don't know of a more frightening job than being a middle school teacher. So, raw and Semper Fidelis back at you. Remember, the more ratings and reviews like Lydia's, not only let me know how we're doing as far as bringing you what you want, the ratings, reviews, and subscribers on the on the various platforms give us a better chance to climb the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. algorithms, which in turn allows us to reach more veterans out in podcast land. And it gives them a chance to listen in and hear not only these great stories, but the benefits breakdown episodes like this one and the information provided in the news releases. Speaking of news releases, we have two to bring to you. First one says, for immediate release... VA judge employment peaks as department continues record appeals progress. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Board of Veteran Appeals hired seven new veterans law judges effective March 1st to help the board continue its record-breaking progress in adjudicating veterans appeals. These new hires bring the board's total number of veteran law judges to 102, the largest since the board's inception in 1933. Eight months after implementation of the Veterans Appeals Improvement and Modernization Act of 2017, VA announced its plan to resolve legacy appeals by the end of 2022. The appointment of the seven new Veterans Law Judges will help VA towards meeting that goal. For more information on the Board of Veterans Appeals, you can visit BVA, Bravo, Victor, Alpha, .va.gov, or you can listen to the last Benefits Breakdown, Episode 180, Featuring the board's chairman, Ms. Cheryl Mason. All right, and the next one says, For immediate release, VA resolution of legacy appeals reaches another milestone. Notices of disagreements and substantive appeals filed in the legacy system decreased from over 290,000 in March 2016 to just under 75,000. Despite the Veteran Benefits Administration receiving over 775,000 new legacy appeals. I guess this is from March 2016 to now. Both inventories represent appeals within initial stages of the appeals process in place prior to the department's February 2019 implementation of the Veteran Appeals Improvement and Modernization Act of 2017, much like the, the board. For more information on appeals modernization, you can visit benefits.va.gov forward slash benefits forward slash appeals dot ASP. Or you can go to episode number 169 of this podcast featuring the executive director of the appeals management office, Mr. Dave McClenican. You know, I love that I can point you to these interviews now as these releases come out. All right. So this week we have a benefits breakdown on the VA's burn pit registry. What it is, who is eligible, how do you sign up, what it all entails, et cetera, et cetera. To break it all down, we got two Army veterans that are involved with the registry to talk about it. Dr. Eric Shuping, who is the director of the post 9 11 era environmental health program for post deployment services, and one of the program's management analysts, Mr. Vincent Mitchell. Enjoy. So, gentlemen, thank you and welcome to Born the Battle. We have two career soldiers, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. Mr. Vincent Mitchell, 
27 years in the Army. Mm -hmm. You were CW4, Intel linguist. How did you find your way to post-deployment health services from that <laughs> career? Uh, just a question. Just, just a little different. After spending... After spending more than 30 years working uh, inside buildings with with no windows, inside closed doors, I was looking for something different that allowed me to continue to you know support soldiers. So applied for the VA, uh, was accepted, and I've you know, been in post-deployment health for, for about five years now. Yeah. Roger. Working on your doctorate, right? Yep. Education? Yep, doctorate in education. How is education going to help? with what you're doing now. We that's what we do all the time. We're we're educating the veterans or we're educating the staff on how to best utilize the uh, tool, the registry to support the veterans. Sorry. Yeah. Dr. Eric Shubin, correct? That's correct. 27 also 27 years in the army. Um, certified in family preventative medicine and occupational medicine practices. What does that mean? Yeah, they're, they're board certifications. So when you, you you finish medical school, you you go to residency practice, and I did the first one, family practice. Short, shortly after our leaving internship, and then I did a second one later. Um, you know, kind of got the urge to do uh, public health type work, so I did preventive medicine. And then down the road, I got the chance to do some extra extra training in occupational medicine. So right, right. so then I had to sit and take the board, you, you know, exam for okay. it and get the certification. Gotcha. Favorite station while you were in. Station. You had a lot on your bio. Yeah, Germany. Uh, all, all places in Germany were, were were really great, but probably my favorite was um, Grafenbier. Most people don't like Grafenbier because they go to the field and, and it tends to be cold and wet, but it was a great place to live. No matter where you're at in Germany, there's good beer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> your bio also stated that you have significant experience in environmental health issues within the Army and DoD and deployed in garrison settings. Briefly, what specific experience does that refer to? Right. Well, I spent a year in Iraq de de deployed. I was at uh, Camp Victory, and uh, we, we had a medical brigade, and we we're essentially the headquarters unit for the medical people. You know, the hospitals, the caches in in um, in, in Iraq, and um, did surveillance uh, type work, and of course, occupational medicine. And uh, burn pits was was part of that work, you know, you know, in that job. So so that was the deployed side. And in Garrison, my last job, I worked for the um, Army Surgeon General's office, and we um, actually a lot of the projects that I work on now, I worked on on the on the DoD side too. Cause, oh, cause, interesting. So that's one thing we 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 actually work very closely with with, with DoD. So so that, that was probably the interest of the job, just kind of continuing what I was doing before, but but on in a different capacity. Got you. Interesting. What also also that was interesting. And again, just going through your bio is that you're involved in chemical warfare agent programs, specifically the issue of lead exposure from firing ranges, nuclear, and chemical surety programs. So I'm guessing the layman term is guarding those types of weapons. Shoot houses. Special Forces soldiers had shoot houses, and they would go essentially in these enclosed spaces and shoot a lot of rounds. You know, you're preparing to um, you know go to war, and and those bullets had lead in them, and and um, dust would develop, and and so there was a risk of exposure. You know, breathing in the dust. So that, that research was on health risk with being exposed that that exposure to that much dust. Right. And, 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 and one kind of surveillance, you know, doing blood tests on them to check them for lead levels. And more importantly, trying to mitigate the, the, the lead. You know, what can you do? You know, ventilation, cleaning, you know, you know maybe go down, you know, you know, adjust your training schedule a little bit to, to let the dust kind of settle too. So, so kind of making recommendations to, you know, still do the training, but, but do it a little bit more, you know, you know, safely. That's all, that's all extremely interesting. I think that's, that's a good reason to, that our listeners should know a little bit of the background, what, what you two gentlemen do. 
which is the Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry. Personally, I haven't seen a lot of news on the subject, uh, most notably with Jon Stewart being the advocate for veterans on this, uh, a lot yes. of blog write-ups on that. Briefly, how did the registry start? Well, it's it started from service members that had deployed to um, Iraq and Afghanistan, and they were concerned about their exposures to dust particles and specifically the burn, burn pits that were that they ran into yeah. when they were were deployed to those areas. And uh, in 2014, Congress required DOD and VA to come up with some way of recording and and offering those veterans and service members who were concerned about their health exposures an opportunity to record those exposures and talk to a healthcare professional about those those exposures and in 2014 June of 2014 the registry began and it's continuing today i know right now there are approximately 194,000 participants in the registry of approximately a population of about uh, 2.7 million veterans that are eligible to to join the registry. Wow. It's actually 195,000. Yeah. I looked at it right before yeah. I came over. And, and kind of the point is it, it changes about yeah. 500 a week. So, exactly. so, so if you go online, there's kind of a counter. When, when you go to register, sure. um, you'll, you'll see like a number in the upper right-hand corner. And, and uh, it actually changes in real time. Not that I sit there and watch it, but but you know from time to time, I'll go in it in different times of the day. It's like, oh, you know, it's up 20, you, you, know, you, know, uh, you know, based on last time I looked at it. Does, so does like say 200,000 or 500,000, they get like a special like mug you know <laughs> we, we can think about it <laughs> you know might be you know, some good promotion great, great idea yeah <laughs> so there's a counter so you got about uh, a little less than 200,000 right now but 2.7 million people are eligible to do that so you guys are you guys got some work to get to get to get more people on there you guys are just scratching the surface it just sounds like yes. a little bit very good very good Inch, super interesting how did both of you get involved in the program well, how how I how I uh, became involved with the program, I transitioned from another office, another program area in the VA to this office as a program manager. I was working a, a, a number of different programs, and the person that was managing uh, the day to day of the registry left the VA. So it's uh, who's going to take care of this now? You. <laughs> <laughs> so, so nice that's how that's how I I ended up working with the registry. But it, it's it's been exciting. It, it's it's never a a uh, quiet day. There's always something to do within that registry. There's always someone that we're assisting with uh, working in in that registry. So, gotcha. For, for me, yeah, um, I actually started working at the VA September of eighteen, so about a year and a half right now. And and um, you know, I was separated from the army, and I wanted. Yeah, needed to work. Kids in college, but but <laughs> but um, our director, um, Dr. Lauren Erickson, I, I knew him from the army, and 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 he's you know been a mentor, and I got a hold of him, and it's like, hey, we're you know you know we got a job and interviewed, and I can't say VA was like you know. Like I gravitated to the VA naturally, but I think through the influence of, you know, Dr. Erickson, you know, he got me interested and, you know, like, you know, Mitch said here, you know, the work's actually one really interesting too. I like working with our field offices and we, we really work with a hundred each facility. Each facility has a person doing these kind of exams. So, so we don't work with them, you know, daily directly, but, yeah. but, you know, from time to time we, we, we touch out with them and, you know, kind of, kind of like helping, um, 
them solve their issues to kind of, kind of coaching them, you know, you know, sort of nudging them to, you know, do more of, of, of the burn pit exams. And I like helping the veterans too. You know, I know there's a lot of frustrations, you know, with the program, but you know, at the end of the day, hopefully we, we make it a little bit easier for, for, for some people to, you know, you know, navigate through, you know, through the system. Roger. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. If, um, if I can brag, you know, a little about, about Mitchell, and I think um, you know, military intelligence is probably not the you know the usual pathway into a healthcare, yeah, you, you know, kind of kind of career. Super but, interesting career curve. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes and no. Um, um, we do work work a lot with big data and data systems, yeah. and, and that's really part of the intel community's forte. So, so I think we're you know really lucky to have a skill set. And, and two, it's kind of nice to have a, a the veteran's perspective on it too. You, you know, if, if you've done healthcare all your life, you you, you think like a healthcare guy, and sometimes it's, it's really nice to have someone who's, who's not always been a healthcare saying, well, you, you know, I don't think that's going to work, you, you know, you know, to give us, you know, better ideas on, you know, on, on the program. Very good. Very good. Super interesting. Who is the burn pit registry for? I think, I think it's almost a rhetorical question, but I think it needs to be said. And how, how are those veterans eligible to sign up for, for the program? Yeah. First and foremost, you have to have gone to the eligible countries. And, you know, if we had a map in front of us, if you, if you looked at Iraq and, and went down through Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, all the way down the coast to Oman, if you went to any of those countries from Desert Storm till now. Um, oh, so it includes Desert Storm. Yeah, yep. yep, Desert Storm. And a, lot of, a lot of oil burning during then. Yep. Yes, yeah. a- absolutely. Yeah. So, so Desert good. Storm and the people who deployed, you know, to those countries after Desert Storm. And then click forward to 9-11, Afghanistan and Djibouti were added in 14. But after 9-11, if you, if you were in Afghanistan before then, you're not eligible. But I don't think many people were, you, you know, because the bases were, you know, set up, you know, kind of post 9-11. And then if you were in the seas around the um, Arabian Peninsula, so, so the Red Sea, the Arabian Sea, you know, the Persian Gulf, Gulf of Oman, you know, essentially all, all that water, if, you, if you're on a ship, during that time too, then you're eligible. And, and that's from Desert Storm forward. So, so people who are cruising right now are eligible to join the registry. Got you. And this kind of gets, well, frustrating, it, you know, to veterans because uh, burn pits is a very common way of getting rid of, of trash. We hear from Vietnam veterans, not so much Korean, but veterans from Philippines, Bosnia, and we, we, we burn our trash and, and, you know, we understand we got it. And you certainly may have health effects from, you know, that burning trash. But we're really looking at this area specifically because it's not just the burn pits; it's the um, airborne hazards. You know, it's, it's the dusty environment. It's the um, people burning their own trash. You, you know, we weren't the only ones burning trash. It, yeah. it was, it was, you know, you know, the locals too. So those, just those large oil fields that were just burning for yeah months and months. Yeah. So, so you know, one of the main reasons of the burn pit is to gather scientific knowledge, and, and if you add people from other conflicts, it, it kind of dilutes it. And that doesn't mean they don't have health problems and doesn't mean they weren't exposed to burn pits. We just don't want to include you in this study because we got to keep the eligibility clean. And of course, we urge those people to go get health care. You know, you know, you'll know, go to the VA or your doctor and, and take care of your issues. But, you know, the burn pit registry just isn't the, the, the path for them. Yeah, definitely to limit the variables. Got you. Why sign up? Yeah. I, I, I think that's a, a, fair, a fair question, right? What's the purpose? What's the benefit to the veteran that signs up? Two things. And, and the registry is actually two parts. Uh, part one is an online survey. I mean, we, we can talk to that. You know, yeah, we will. we will. But, yeah. but once you get online, you um, will be asked to answer a lot of questions about your de- deployment, where you were, what were you exposed to, 
your, your health effects. And we um, ask about hobbies that, that have like a occupational nature to them. You know, you know, say you're like a welder or ceramics or woodworker, things of dust that, that may affect your health. We ask about, you know, you know, that too. So, so it's a fairly long survey. It takes about 40 minutes, you know, to complete and, and essentially goes into a database. What, what do I get from that survey? You're, if, you're I, help, if, I, if I'm going to yes. spend the 40 minutes. Yes. You're helping your fellow soldier. Okay. You, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're helping your fellow soldier to provide information that the um, VA and, and duty can use for research. So, so, so that part, you're helping your soldier, not so much helping you. You're part of the soldier group, but, but sure. it's more for the collective, gotcha. you know, good. But the, the part two is when you sit down with a healthcare provider, that, that's when you can say, hey, what does this mean to me? You know, we, we, we've done some surveys and, you know, veterans have potentially lots of health issues, you know, depression and some have homelessness and, you know, it goes on, on and on. But one thing I think in the back of everyone's mind who deployed is, is you know, that environment was, was dirty. Um, mm-hmm. I was in some bad stuff. How's that going to affect my health? And, and, and I think veterans need to, you know, sit down and just have a conversation with someone about what, what does this mean to me and my health? And that, that's what you do with the part two exam is, is talk to a healthcare provider about it. Okay. And that's, Vincent, that's a free exam, right? Like that's, that's, that's a free exam. So there's a benefit. Yeah, there's, there's a benefit. But I, I know for me personally, I, I just deployed to Iraq and as far as the registry, registry is concerned, I want to know if there's any health impact yeah. to me in the future. And I want, I want to have advanced notice of that. And if you're part of this registry, uh, there's an opportunity that you could get advanced notice if there is anything that is, that is, that is noticed in the future. So, so it's, uh, it, it that's, a, that's a one reason to join that. Registry. So long-term care yeah. looking forward, what's that look like as far as getting advanced? notice? like, Hey, just let you know, you might be more susceptible do X, Y, and Z because based on the research? Is that what we're looking based at? Based on the research. And, okay. and one of the things that the registry offers to to uh, individuals, you're can, you can go back into the registry at any time once you're a participant and update your, your contact information so that we can contact you. We have your email address. We have your telephone number. And if there's any updates or any information concerning the registry, that's the opportunity that we have to uh, feed that information to you. Like for, like for what, new services, new information, that sort of thing? Exactly. Very good. Very good. How do you sign up? You go online. If you type in airborne hazard, burn pits, it's almost always the first or second thing on on, on Google. And then the right-hand corner, if you need a DS login, click here, and and it'll work you through that process. If you have a DS login, click here, and and then you use your DS login. And and that can sometimes be um, challenging. You you know, people forget passwords and stuff, but, but if you have any issues with that, you go through the normal DS login procedures. And you know, the, the DS login has a lot of sensitive information in it. You know, you can get to PHI, you can get to your benefits and stuff. So, so it has some pretty strong fire, firewalls, you know, you know for, for, for good reasons. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of translates to the um, burn pit registry, too. That's why but, you guys use that DS login. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and um, once you're in, you have to sign a consent form. You don't sign, but you click. You know, there's a consent click form through. to read. You click. You know, it's not for everybody. It kind of explains what, what the data may you know, be used for, and, and some people opt out, and, and, and that's, you know, you know, fine. You can go back again and do it later. And then from there, most people's deployment information is, is auto-populated from um, DOD. Okay. Uh, DOD, through a group called DMDC, will, will send deployment information. So, so I, I joined the registry myself. And, you know, DS login uh, issues, and, but that, you know, <laughs> we all do, we all do. But once I worked through that, you, you know, you know, I, I got in and, and my um, deployments were, were, were there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a few errors, 
it, it was kind of based on your swipes. You, you know, you fly into Kuwait, you swipe your ID and you're here, and then you fly to Iraq. I, I think I missed a swipe or, or yeah, two. Sure. So, so I seem like I had more time in Kuwait than I really did. So, so you're able to change that in it. And, and, and then you kind of start fin finishing the questions there too. Now, that, that's most people. Not, not everyone gets this automatic login. Mm -hmm. And for the um, pre-9-11, so the uh, Desert Storm group, the data is not necessarily digitized sure. and able to be fed. It's all analog. And, and they have to go through what we call an automated, automated ver verification. Um, and what, what that is, is you'll get a message that, that kind of says you, you are not eligible. It doesn't mean you're not eligible, but it, it's, we don't have the information available to that right and, and this is what you need to do then you have to quick click another screen to request a, an, an automated review and then you kind of move forward you, you know from there so, so it's a little bit more labor intensive with the um, automated enrollment group because they, they have to fill in more fields than, than the other group does got you got you just just one emphasis i know we're going through the online portion but we always want to emphasize that it's a it's a two-part process there's the online part that's phase one. And then there's a voluntary in-person medical exam. That's part two. Most people funded through part one uh, without any problems, but they believe that that's the end of it. No, there's, there's, there's part one and there's a part two. Gotcha. So what, when you do the survey, make sure you... Now, is the VA going to reach out to you to schedule the appointment or do you have to reach out to the VA to schedule the appointment? We, we ask people to schedule their, their, their own appointments. One, not, not everyone wants an appointment. You, you know, we, we, we emphasize the exam is optional. Not everyone wants to make the drive or, or you know, they're, they're content that, hey, I've, I've documented my exposures. Mm -hmm. And that, that's another advantage of the uh, Burn Pit Registry. I've, you know, documented my, my exposures, you know, downrange too. You know, it's in a database. Mm -hmm. but, but, yeah, we, we, we ask for the um, veterans if they want an appointment to call. Very good. Yeah, we also want to want to uh, say emphasize that too. The the onus is on the individual to reach out to the VA to schedule an appointment. Um, most of what we see, uh, hear from the veterans is they're waiting for the VA to call them to schedule an appointment. But it's it, the onus is on the veteran to call. Now we do have some medical facilities that are working with the registry to contact veterans to to get them to come in for the medical evaluation but the onus is on that veteran or that vet, the service member to contact but what you call facility. it's free yeah. walk in exactly everything. gotcha is there uh, you guys looking in the future for like a telehealth option uh for the exams i think that's definitely possible because you know many veterans don't live close to the you know to the facility they can be hours away and um, th there are um, actually a few sites that, that are doing telehealth or at least you know, exploring it. Um, yeah, I've or, noticed that on blogs.va.gov that there's uh, some blogs on there that are talking about that new Atlas system where it's, you go to Walmart, you go to VFW, you can do like a telehealth appointment with the VA. So I was wondering yeah. if this is something that they could do through, through that well, system. We have enough coordinated with <laughs> Sure, with, sure. But, but, you know, maybe that might, there, there, there's many a Walmart and, and VFWs, you know, out there. But, but um, you, know, you know, some sites are exploring it. And I, I think it's, you know, you know, a great option, especially for people that, that is just really hard to travel. Absolutely. You know? And that, 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 that may be one of the infamous why someone doesn't want to get an exam is, is you know, do I have to drive three hours to, yeah. to, to do it? Yeah. Definitely something to, we can look at maybe in the future. Very good. And you guys have a, for those that, you know, technology has passed them by, so part one might be a little difficult, what would be a good option for them? Like, would it be, I know you guys have a phone number too, right? Like a, like, a, like an assistance line, right? Yeah. And, and we'll put that in the, we'll put that in the blogs, in, uh, in the blog on blogs.va.gov. 
And then uh, I, I would just say what? Go to your vet center. Go to your local vet center. Go to, go to BMOC. They will help you out. You can go to your vet center. You can contact that 1-800 number help desk. Uh, they can help you with the registry. There is an online guide with step-by-step on how to acquire a DS logon, how to put in your deployment dates if they're not automatically visible to you. There are, there are different ways of, of helping a veteran through. And, it, and if they can't make it through, if they go through the helpline and, and they're still having issues, eventually that call will make it to us and we'll, we'll, we'll help them through it. Very good. I'm, yeah. I'm getting more, as I'm getting older, mm-hmm. I'm getting more and aware, more and more aware of technological, technology yeah. challenges. I'm noticing kids are doing stuff now. I'm, I'm just now getting to that point. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to learn that, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, you know, with anything that's online now, I'm like, hmm, I wonder yeah. if the generation behind me yeah. So it's, it, it, it's good that you guys have those, have those options like the phone number and, and, and reach out to you guys and that, that sort of stuff. There was a gentleman in the um, greater Pittsburgh area who had had computer challenges. He, if, if he had one, it just didn't work. And, and one one URL will get you is, is at each VA facility, we have a person known as environmental health coordinator, EH, EHC, and, and there, there's a web link and you'll see all the, you know, the stage. So you click on the stage and you can cl- find your closest facility to there. And, and, and anyway, we, we, we had our EHC person in Pittsburgh contact the veteran and he got him into, you know, I think the library, you know, the VA and kind of got him access and sat him down and checked on him. And, and yeah, he, he got him in there and, 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 and we, we, we can do that because, because we know that everyone doesn't have computers yeah. or, or may not have, have, have the skills. To, to do it so very good yeah. very good awesome um what have what have you learned so far with the registry what what's how have veterans been affected with, with some of these issues are there any other things outside of the, of the direct relation do burn pits that that you are learning maybe something else. you know, basically are there any correlation to any other illnesses i only ask that because in one of the videos you provided they were talking about respiratory issues with blast data Right. And, and some other things like that. What are you guys learning with this registry? Right. You know, you know there's no definitive, you know, you know, in science, you'd like to say that A causes B, you know, we hear about the coronavirus, you know, kind of outbreak in China. And the only way to get coronavirus is, you know, exposure to coronavirus. But most of the the diseases we're talking about, we're, we're not really sure what, what causes them, you know, asthma, cancer. Yeah, they, they all have a genetic component. And, and it could be exposures from downrange, or it may not be, and and, and that that's kind of what we're trying to find and and, and look at. Would say that that people who who deploy acute respiratory illnesses do come up, you, you know, but but generally they, they they tend to kind of resolve, be it the Kuwaiti crud or you know upper respiratory infections are, are, are pretty common, you know, and, you know, plus throw in the you know the dust too, and 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 that's definitely there. You know, we're 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 seeing asthma in, in, in veterans, and and can't really say that that it's higher than than you would expect in in, in non-veteran populations too. But but that's one one group that we're you know you know looking at too. And we're we're interested, of course, in in you know you know cancer, um, you know such sure. exposures leading to to cancer. But when you say cancer, every organ is is different. You, you know, you need certain exposures and factors to cause, say, thyroid cancer or lung cancer. You know, they're all different. So it's not just you can't just look at cancer. You got to look at each one, sure. you know, in, in, individually. I think it's well. You guys are like ten percent right now, or one percent. Which I don't know. What's math for Marines? I'm a Marine, so two hundred thousand to two point seven. What's that? One percent? 
ten percent. Some very small, small percent of veterans that are currently on the registry compared to what who's been exposed. So I, I can understand where it's everything's inconclusive right now. You know, the mm-hmm. data set probably just isn't there, and I think I can see that. You know, you know, I, I think it's something that you know maybe as you, as more veterans sign up, maybe maybe the data sets get more concrete. And the burn pay registry is not the only effort. You know, it's just one tool in, in, in the toolkit, and and there's several large studies. The Millennium Cohort Study, it, it's part of that. Well, they they, yeah. they look at respiratory disease, and that that's more kind of an all population. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you know, kind of look while 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 the burn pay registry is people who taking the time. You know, they have an interest in, in doing this, but in the Millennium Cohort, of course, you got to volunteer for that too. But yeah. but it, it's statistically more representative of yeah. of. of you know, kind of everybody, and they're looking at that, and lots of other things too. After I pass a stage with the Millennium Cohort, I, they send me a coin every every like five years or something. I get a coin. Are you? Are you? Uh, you're part. Of- I am. Okay. I am. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they've yeah. sent some coins, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I, I forget yeah. about it, and then I get a coin, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And uh, one more, you know, effort. I, I want to mention the Airborne Center of, of Excellence in, in mm-hmm. um, East Orange, New Jersey. <laughs> And before I talk about them, first I got to talk about we have three war-related injury surveillance centers. The the risk we got one in Palo Alto, California, one in D.C., and, and one in East Orange, and they specialize in challenging, maybe hard to diagnose exposure, you know, you know type, type 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 cases. And they have kind of like a regional focus. So so uh, Palo Alto has the West, you know, New Jersey has the Northeast, and D.C. has kind of the South. So you kind of, if you picture a map, you know, you know they, they kind of divided it up and they'll get referrals from, um, you know, say you're Atlanta and you have a, a challenging patient, they'll, they'll do a referral to the DC. Like a West. challenging case? like a like, Exactly. Like they don't really know what it is. Right. So it's we, like they're, they're like playing house, like the show house. Well, not as rude. They're, they're <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah. No, no. They're That's very, good to know. They're, they're, they're very polite. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but, but they are... Um, as smart as house, yes. yeah. So, upper, so hard to, hard to diagnose upper respiratory infections. They're the center that's going to try to figure that out. Well, the, the New Jersey is they have a, a special carve out that that is looking at the respiratory infections too, and they're um, coordinating with uh, some other VA centers, um, Colorado, Baltimore, Detroit, and, and and a few others. And essentially, the the, the pulmonologists, they're you know lung doctors, are, are kind of doing the same things. You, you know, you know, they're evaluating the people, they're collecting data. This study is called the Aware Program, and and just you know the burn pit is not, just not the only egg in the basket. You know, there's lots of other things going on too to try to get a you know better handle on on exposures, you know, respiratory exposures and, and disease. Interesting. You send me those links, I'll put them in the blog. Okay. All right, big question. Currently the information in the registry doesn't help one's disability compensation within the, within the Veteran Benefits Administration. Basically, you if you sign up for the burn pit registry, you're not signing up for a claim for benefits, right? Accurate. Correct. However, and I know how much doctors and medical folks Love to speculate. Probably about as much as weathermen. Much like we're seeing with with the Blue Water Navy veterans and their exposure to Agent Orange, symptoms related to burn pit exposure, are they currently being considered as a recognized disability by the VA, or is more information needed? Well, any veteran can put in a claim, and, and if, they, if they believe, you know, you know, respiratory exposure is part of the disease causeway, they, they, they can add that. And, and um, you, know, you know, some claims are approved. But what you may be um, alluding to as a, a presumption, you know, you know, I have X, then it's all just sort of laid out, out for you. And there, there, there's not enough evidence to support a presumption. But, but um, you, know, you know, we absolutely encourage people to make, make, make a claim. 
if you have it, and, and it is kind of a, um, a myth that, that you need to join the registry to, to get a claim. To do a claim. Yeah, it, it, you have to do this is, is one of the steps, and it's absolutely not. You, you can go straight to, to the claim, and, and you know, especially those people who aren't eligible. You, you, you know, if you went to one of those other countries, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they're thinking that you're, you're getting in the way of my claim. It's like, no, no, we're not. You know, please do the claim and see a healthcare provider, too. You, you yeah. know, you, you have problems. Yeah. You just can't join the registry. Uh, free, but, exa- free exam couldn't hurt. That claim. Yeah. yeah. Now, people can use that information for their claim. That's, you, what, you know, that's you, what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 If you sit down with the doctor and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever he writes, you know, you can use that for your claim. It's just not required sure. to do so. Sure. And, I mean, and it may not be the thing that puts you over the that, – that, that proves that you have that. So, right. understood. I just want to want to something interesting that I w- was studying a while back. Agent Orange, Gulf War Legacy Registries, the time it took for – the VA to react to the concerns of the veterans. It was it's pretty long long yeah. period of time. I think that's safe to say that. Yeah. But if you if you look at the Airborne Hazards Registry and that concern, that health concern, to have the registry put together in such such a short period of time and reacting to the concerns of the veterans, that's 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 you know it's years ahead of its time. And when it comes to a possibility of of presumptive. Benefits in in the future, it's it's ahead, it, it, but it's it's years ahead of where the Gulf War and Agent Orange would be. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, I've, I feel like I put you on the hot seat for a while. This is your time, Doctor Shooping, Mister Mitchell. Is there anything that I may have missed that you think it's important for the listeners to know? I I, I know dealing with the veterans on a day to day basis, the thing that is important is to remember that there's a part one and there's a part two. Once you complete the questionnaire and you submit, you, you're not done with the registry. Yes, you're a registered, you're a participant, but there is a part two. There is a in-person medical evaluation to complete that. And that provides that, that data, that health information that, that, that could possibly could be used towards the future. If you have difficulty, if a veteran has difficulty or service member has difficulty getting into the registry, there are help information out there. Use your your VFW, use your your VA center, use your your medical center. Go online, put in airborne hazards registry. There's loads of information that we we put out there, and the contacts call. We're there to support. We're there to assist as much as possible to make sure that the veteran makes it through that process. Got you. Yeah. Okay, Doctor Shubin, what am I missing? Well, you have, you haven't missed anything, but, but but one thing I want to um, emphasize is is getting the exam. You know, the registry's been in um, six years, going on six years, and and it's sort of been getting the exams, getting the, the facilities doing the exams has been a work in progress. And I, I think there was an important time then where facilities weren't sure what that was, but I think we're in a good place right now that. Um, most places, I wouldn't say all, but most places, you know, have the ability to do the exam, and and you know now's the time. You know, you know, if you missed your exam from two years ago, you know, you know, try again if, if that's what you want to do. You, you know, once once again, it's optional, but but it's optional for the. You know, we try to get the word out externally, but there's so much going on, and depending on what you want to do, you may not know about that. You know, you know, if, if you get a blank stare, don't do it. We encourage people to go to these environmental health coordinators because they're kind of the people. You know, yeah. you know they're, they're most in the know of what, what, what to do yeah. for this they, program. You send me that link. I'll make sure it definitely enters into the um, into the blog. So we'll get that. We'll get the number in there. And we'll make sure there's every available resource in that blog and, and, and make sure that that happens. 
The VA does a very good job on the medical side. I don't know of anybody that has any complaints. My primary care doctor is probably the best doctor I've ever had in my life. Lewis, <laughs> are my friends, good patient of mine. He only comes once a week. <laughs> but I enjoy, I enjoy him. She comes in special. Yes, early I in the do. morning. Early in the morning. Just for me. That's exactly why I choose VA. Choose VA today. Visit VA.gov. I want to thank Dr. Shooping and Mr. Mitchell for their time. For more information on the Burn Pit Registry, you can go to veteran.mobilehealth, all one word, dot VA dot gov forward slash a H burn pit registry. That's alpha hotel burn pit registry. All one word forward slash pound sign page. Put that together. Like it's one word forward slash home. From there, you can see the counter that the gentlemen were talking about, and you can sign up using your DS logon. Our born the battle veteran of the week comes by way of our veteran of the day campaign. Every day, our Veteran of the Day program honors a veteran on our social media channels by telling that veteran's story. If you haven't seen it, check it out. They post every day around noon, and they do a great job. Last month, they honored many African-American veterans for African-American History Month, and they kicked off Women's History Month with a very recognizable name. Therefore, this week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is Marine Corps veteran Beatrice Arthur. On February 13, 1943, the U.S. Marine Corps put out its rallying call. Be a Marine, free a man to fight. Five days later, Beatrice Arthur, then Frankel, enlisted as one of the first members of the Women's Reserve. Born in 1922 in Brooklyn, New York, Arthur was a first-generation American raised by Jewish immigrants from Europe. According to her enlistment paperwork, her hobbies included hunting with a 22 caliber rifle and playing the piano. Hunting with a 22 caliber rifle in New York. In Brooklyn. Love it. In a letter dated February 23rd, 1943, Arthur wrote that she enjoyed working as a hospital lab technician, but did not make enough money to support herself. Instead of starting a new job, she changed her mind after hearing that enlistments for women in the Marines were open. She ended her letter saying that she was eager to do whatever was needed. As part of the enlistment process, Arthur underwent multiple interviews and personality appraisals. One male interviewer described her as frank and open, but also argumentative and over-aggressive, without being too cocky. A handwritten note on the assessment sheet read, officious, but probably a good worker if she has her own way. After basic training, Arthur served as a typist at Marine headquarters in Washington, D.C. In June 1943, the Marine Corps accepted her transfer request to the Motor Transport School at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. She said she offered more value to the Marine Corps in this duty based on her past experience. Arthur then worked as a truck driver and dispatcher in Cherry Point, North Carolina, between 44 and 45. She was honorably discharged at the rank of Staff Sergeant in September 1945. Afterwards, she began a successful acting career, best known for her Emmy Award-winning portrayal of Maude Finley on Maude and as Dorothy Zabornik on The Golden Girls. Her official military personnel file became public in 2010, a year after she died at age 86. We honor her service. That's it for this episode of Born the Battle. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov. Include a short write-up and let us know why you would like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. 
And as always, I am reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs did not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because if you're a veteran artist, if you create poetry or music, we will feature your auditory art, as you will. As our outro, if you email us at podcast at va.gov with all the pertinent details. And as always, for more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media. You can always find us with that blue check mark. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care.